Well, good afternoon, church family. It's Wednesday once again, and we have the uh, privilege of opening up the Word of God together. Uh, Today is Wednesday, March the 10th of 2021, and we're going to finish out this section of verses 121 through 128 that entitled, Longing for God's Word to be Fulfilled. And so before we reread our text uh, once again this week, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, what you have already done uh, for us in this past week. Uh, Lord, we uh, are excited about the fact that you are our faithful God, that you are steadfast, uh, immovable, and uh, that you are able to accomplish your good pleasure. And Lord, as we think about uh, the world in which we live today, Lord, we ask that your word would give us perspective that it would give us the ability to see uh, your power and your strength, uh, knowing that you are above all, that you are sovereignly in control of all, and that everyone uh, and everything answers to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin by rereading this section A in uh, verses 121 to 128. It says, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act. For your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Well, as you know, last week we took a look at the first two verses of verse 121 and 122. And I mentioned that it was a special couplet because those two verses didn't explicitly speak to the Word of God, which, as we've looked at Psalm 119, uh, almost every verse has something to say in relation to the Word of God. And it set the stage for this longing that the uh, psalmist has for God's Word to be fulfilled. And so after uh, stating uh, for God to be uh, good to him, to actually make a pledge of good to his servant, he goes on to say in verses 123 to 125, that my eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Let's just stop there and consider those few words for a few moments. He says, my eyes long for your salvation. You know, there are many things that we long for. Uh, we long for, uh, after working many hard weeks for vacation, uh, for that to be something where we can put our feet up and be able to relax and enjoy a much-deserved break. Uh, we long for winter to be over and spring to begin. Uh, we long for uh, a, a good-cooked meal. Uh, There are many things that we long for, but as you think about your walk with the Lord, do your eyes long for God's salvation? Do you see that each and every day is a battle for uh, God's goodness, God's justice, his righteousness? And do you long for that salvation, not only for yourself, but for the world around you? Uh, For the fulfillment of uh, God's righteous promise, as he says here. 
Well, see, it reminded me of what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So when we think about God fulfilling his righteous promises, we need not doubt that God is going to come up short, that God is going to forget, that he is going to be less than who he is. The God who is steadfast, the God who is firm, the God who is reliable, the God who is immutable or does not change. You know, thinking about back to verses 89 and 90 of this uh, Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. See, that's because the God who is in charge, the God who is over all, the one who can only save, uh, is going to keep his promises uh, and keep them to their fullest. Uh, But the psalmist longs for God's salvation. Uh, You know, there there is no other place for him to look. Uh, They are in... Um, their, their final, you know, resting place when you find yourself being saved, God's salvation. And this is something that the psalmist actually longs for. Uh, he is, is embracing and wanting to be part of who he is. The God that, as it says in Psalm 63, is uh, my God, that earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So if today your eyes are not longing for the Lord, if you find yourself busy with life but yet coming up short in relation to longing for the God of your salvation, stop looking elsewhere. Have your final uh, focus uh, each and every moment be that on the Lord himself. And he goes on in verse 124 to say, Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. And this is a call for God to be merciful because we don't want God to deal with us according to our sins, according to our iniquities, uh, because we know that those would uh, cause immediate uh, uh, justice, immediate discipline. Uh, And so he's saying, instead, Lord, I know that your steadfast love, that your faithfulness in forgiving me, remembering 1 John 1, 9, you know, Uh, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to experience God's forgiveness. He wants to be able to be taught by the one who is the merciful God. And verse 125, he says, I am your servant. Once again, establishing that God is the master uh, and that we are God's servants. And he says, give me understanding. He wants to be able to, to wrap his mind around everything that's going on around him, to, to be able to see and to, uh, this from God's perspective, to have an understanding so that the master, who is the one over all, is the only one who can give him the understanding that he desperately needs and wants. And I think we can sympathize with that even today. You know, we, we want to understand, you know, as we take a look at how uh, Christianity is under attack Uh, in our country even today. We want to gain perspective. We want to, as God's servants, to have understanding, to to know what the master is is doing, what he is thinking, and how we should think and act in the world in which he has us living in. 
You know, the psalmist wants to know. He believes that God's word can be known and can give light on his situation. And then he transitions into verse 126 after establishing that he's the servant and God is the master, after establishing the, uh, the fact that he wants God to deal with him according to uh, God's steadfast or faithful love. In other words, being merciful to him, the God who is steadfast, firm, reliable, immutable, the one who will fulfill his righteous promises. He says in 126, it is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Now, let me point out here that this is not a selfish prayer for himself. Because he could have very easily had said, God, act now. Otherwise, those who are oppressing me are going to overwhelm me. No. What his focus was, was on actually the glory of God. Because he says, it's time for you, you, Lord, to act. Because your law is being broken. People are disobeying you. People are uh, declaring war against you because they are not honoring your word. They do not see you as the God over all. They do not see you as that humble yet uh, powerful master. Uh, this is a, an actual prayer of righteous indignation that the psalmist is bringing forth. It's an indignation against those who have broken God's law and a call for God to vindicate himself as a result uh, it's a reminiscent of what we read in, in the book of Judges where it said, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. See, the psalmist is recognizing something here that I think that even in our day and age right now, as we take a look at how much Christianity is under attack in our world at large, but also very close to home right now, that we are realizing that there is people who have broken God's law. They do not see God as God at all. Uh, they are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And just like the psalmist is, is calling out for God to act, to vindicate himself as a result, to be not only the steadfast God who loves, but also the just God who takes care of, of making sure that people uh, are held accountable. See, he's recognizing that these people are robbing God of glory that he is due. And when I look at our country, when I look at those who uh, you know, claim to be uh, believers in Jesus Christ, there are many who do not give God the glory. Uh, it's, it's understandable, uh, not something that we approve of, but it's understandable for those who do not know God to rob him of his glory. And this is what the, the psalmist is pointing out. You know, the glory of his, his holiness and his righteousness, his purity, his justice, his omnipotence, and his sovereignty. And we see that very, very clearly in our world today, happening right in the walls of our, 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 our states, uh, within our country. Uh, and we, we are stepping back and wondering what exactly is going on. God is being robbed. God is not being acknowledged. Instead, man is being lifted up. And what man wants, man gets. And the thing is, this should give us also a righteous indignation towards sin. Because God is not being honored. It says in Isaiah 42, 8, that I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. 
See, every opportunity that man takes to honor himself, to lift himself up, to worship something of his own making, he is robbing the Lord, the one whose name is the Lord, of the glory that he does not give to another. And so uh, as he, the psalmist con- considers this, as he contemplates this, it is, it is a, a righteous anger that he has against those who have broken God's law because the psalmist treasures God's law. He treasures God's word. He knows that, that God's word teaches him that the righteous promises that are included in them, uh, that God will fulfill them, that he is not just putting out empty words, that God is a, a God of his word, uh, that he knows the power of God's testimonies and the, the power of the transforming word. But think of all the people today who break God's law, that call evil good and good evil, that mislead others into justifying this disobedience. There are many, both in the secular world, but even within the the Christian, and I'll put Christian in quotes, world as well, because there are many, uh, uh, you know, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing that are misleading believers uh, and, and helping them justify patterns of behavior or justifying things because it's culturally accepted or the culture says this is something that you, you must embrace when the word of God says, no, you don't. And so the psalmist and we too must have a righteous anger when God's law is being broken. And finally, in verses 127 and 128, he says, as a result of, of everything that he's put forth, as a result of, of saying, you know, and, and telling the Lord that it's time to act. It's time for you to vindicate yourself because of man's disobedience. He says, therefore, as a result of this, I love your commandments above gold and above fine gold. So he is telling God that, you know, as it were, and framing in this call for God to act because of his law being broken is because he loves God's word. He loves his commandments, and he loves it not just above gold, but fine gold. So it's gone to that point where it is, you know, refined so that all of those impurities that we, we took a look at and considered before are removed um, out in the smelting process. So the very purest gold that you could ever find, the most valuable gold, pales in comparison to the love that the psalmist has for God's commandments. And the more people rob God of his glory by breaking his law, the more the psalmist sees how precious God's law is. It cultivates a love for God's commandments uh, and with even the finest gold, the gold that has all the dross removed. And then he says also in verse 128, he says, therefore, once again. So he clarifies with two things uh, in his call for God to act. He says, therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. See, when we saturate ourselves with the word of God, it is going to help us to see God's law. It's going to help us to see God's truth. It's going to help us to see everything that is contrary to who God is and his attributes and his glory and his majesty, his holiness, his righteousness, his purity, his justice, his, his omnipotence, his sovereignty, all those things coming together. So much so that as the psalmist does this, he says it causes him to hate every false way. 
See, the thing is, is that oftentimes when we see things that we know are an, uh, an affront to God, we kind of just bury them, sweep them under the rug. And the thing is, is that it should cause us to hate every false way. When someone takes the Lord's name in vain, when someone says that God has no place here, uh, those are the triggers that should cause us to say, this is an affront to the God I love. This is an affront to the God who has given me understanding through his word, who has, you know, been my fortress and my stronghold all of these years and realize that God's word is perfect. It's without flaw in every way. As it says in Deuteronomy 32, for the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. And Psalm 1830 says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. Remember that God is perfect in every aspect. And as Pastor Caden just finished out the attribute study and is going to do his wrap up this, uh, well, did his wrap up this past Sunday, uh, he, he uh, is reminding us of the fact that God is perfect in his character. He's perfect in his word. He is perfect in his ways. And when we love that which God loves, we will hate that which God hates. And so may this be an encouragement to us as we too with the psalmist long for God's word to be fulfilled, for God to, as it were, balance the scales uh, so that uh, there is no longer this affront to him, that there is no longer those who are willfully and blatantly breaking God's law and robbing him of the glory that is due his name, remembering that everything he does is perfect. And so we should be those that are his servants as he is the perfect, loving master of all. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this uh, powerful section of Psalm 119 as the psalmist was calling uh, upon you to act. Uh, Lord, we know that you are going to do uh, right uh, by uh, who you are. And uh, we have mentioned it many times before that you will do no less. Uh, your justice demands. Uh, and Lord, we, we know and we've seen that in your son, Jesus Christ, that our rebellion and our sin against uh, you had an effect, had an outcome, and that was death. Uh, and it was a death not only that caused us to no longer be eternal beings, Physically, uh, but because of sin, we have a physical death. Uh, because of sin, we also have a spiritual death. And apart from Jesus Christ, who is the giver of life, uh, who is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, we have no ability uh, to please you uh, apart from him. And Lord, I pray in this day and age, as we look at all of the things that, that break our heart, that frustrate us uh, because of what is happening that it will only and always be about you first. That uh, as we see people dishonoring you, that we would praise you all that much more. That we would be reflectors of who you are that much more. Because this world needs your word. It needs your truth. Because that is what transforms people. It is through the word that we are made wise unto salvation. It is through your word by which we are called to live uh, and to, to know uh, and to understand uh, everything that we do need to. 
And we do thank you for that, and we, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family. Have a wonderful remainder of your week, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.